What's a song? Oh, I want onion dip. <laughs> That's Haley. She wants onion dip. Thanks. Um, That's Caitlin. I'm, She's I, yeah. I'm trying to decide what I want. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm supposed to order dinner at some point, and we're getting uh Panera tonight. <gasps> so I guess that's what I want. Okay, good. Nice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm too I'm too tired to want things. It's if you're listening to this, it's too late for me. It's Black Friday season and Caitlin is working. Yeah. I forget. This isn't your busy season though. Like, well, I, I know it's not your busy season, but like this is when things start to wind down for you though, right? It's starting to wind down, but also yeah. they're changing our hours at work. I hate that. Uh, bright side, I get out a half hour earlier. Oh, love uh, that. Not as bright side, I have to go no. in a half hour early. That's what I was afraid yeah. of. Why can't they just give you that free half I hour? Know. I was like, can it be nine to four? Why does it have to be eight to four? Why are we working five days a week? I know. I would do. I would be. Why fine are we with, working? I would be fine with eight to four if it was even like four days a week. I I had a three day weekend yeah. for like my birthday weekend, and it's the perfect amount of time. One day for like getting shit done, one day for relaxing, one day for sleeping. It's it's truly, you've heard it here first because I have also discovered the beauty of a three day weekend because I think it was September, I had like three in a row, or like August to September I had three in a row. Incredible. It was, I was like, this is how I should be living. Yeah. This is how everyone should be living. Should so, be. yeah, this is not a three day weekend podcast, though. This is crime culture. This is crime culture. Um, that's Haley. I'm Caitlin. Hi. We are the supporters of the three day weekend initiative. Yeah. Um, Jump on board with it. Sign our petition. Change. Put your hand on your hip. When I dip, you dip, we dip. I still can't believe that you don't. I don't listen to new music. It's not new, Haley. Holy shit oh my I don't god know what song it is i mean that much is clear but it's definitely not hang on i'm i'm literally looking this up and i'm and i'm this doing is not it how we usually start podcast episodes. it is it is really not if you're new sorry is your <laughs> this isn't is how your we shirt really embarrassing are. it says future mrs what yeah it does it is embarrassing <laughs> um you know we're embarrassing you right now we don't need to embarrass me what's your shirt and say? my and my vintage 2007 future mrs jonas shirt that i, I can tell by with the font specific that it was embarrassing <laughs> getting divorced jonas in mind for a fuck ton of money um at a at their look me in the eyes tour um it is vintage jonas brothers merch and you know what sometimes it's the first thing you can grab and you have to work okay on a weekend i'm wearing sweatpants as well i have fully given up um it is da dip by freak nasty and this song came out in 1997 hail okay well i was that sorry i was busy being a child so i'm sorry i didn't know this song i mean i was being a child the but you know what you were and this yet is I'm a aware. really this is a really great segue we're talking about <laughs> this is a really great we're segue. talking about the jonas <laughs> brothers we're talking about a song from 1997 freak nasty da dip uh this episode is part two to an episode we did way back when part one is episode 268 i owe you one and um this episode is songs that were inspired by real crimes. Ooh! Part two. Are we going to talk about the conspiracy theory of 
the day the music died and Buddy Holly crashing. Actuality, it was the NSA. Uh, no, I don't I'm have totally that one making on here. that up. I'm totally making it up. Don't, don't. I don't. I'm have sure that there's here. a conspiracy theory about it, but no, 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 no. My Go first ahead. one is going to be fun. Uh, it's. Do you remember the song "Wild Side" by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch? Um, no, I was not aware they had done any songs besides "Good Vibrations." Okay, all right. Well, they did a song called "Wild Side." Um, just so everyone knows, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch is Mark Wahlberg. Uh, he doesn't want you to remember that he was in a uh, in a hip hop group, but he was. He also doesn't want you to remember that he was racist and p- likely, allegedly, still is. Um, but if you would like to know, we've talked about it. Yeah, I also yeah. heard. Um, I was listening to the latest episode of Page Seven. That's another podcast I listen to. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Um, the uh, blind item that they were talking about was that uh, Mark Wahlberg in his Calvin Klein's ad had to have his penis retouched because it was too small. Ooh, ooh! Hate to hear it. Hate to see it. Um, that's a, that's can't a say I. Uh, and bummer. unfortunately. To to add insult to injury, I was about to say I can't say I remember the ad, which maybe if it was bigger, it'd be more memorable. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But if you want to, if you want to remember some shit, episode two two seventeen of our podcast covers Mark Wahlberg extensively. All right. Well. All right. This episode. Uh, I mean, this song. Uh, references actually two crimes that happened in Boston in the late 80s. First of which would be the murder of Carol Stewart. Um, This is... I had to message Caitlin and confirm that we hadn't already talked about this case because it sounded so familiar. Oh, that's this... Okay, because I thought you were just like filling up because lord knows like our calendar is full our calendar is full, i assumed you were just adding to it i was doing the research for this one i was like why does this sound so familiar and it might be which we'll get into so carol okay. stewart was a tax attorney in boston and pregnant with her first child her husband charles or chuck was the general manager of a furrier on newbury street oh a very bougie street in boston oh did you hear that <laughs> did the cat go yeah no felix went oh <laughs> good Yes, a furrier. They make boots out of you. Um, So on October 23rd, 1989, the couple were driving through the Roxbury neighborhood after attending a Lamaze or childbirthing class at Mm -hmm. Brigham and and Women's Hospital. According to Charles's subsequent statement, a black gunman with a raspy voice forced his way into their car at a stoplight, ordered them to drive to a nearby to the nearby town of Mission Hill uh, or neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He robbed them and then shot Charles in the stomach and shot Carol in the head. Oh, my Charles God. was able to drive away and call 911 <gasps> on his car phone. What a yes. fucking G. Oh, my God. Yes. So that night, the show Rescue 911 was actually riding with the Boston EMS. And this case is depicted on season one, episode 20, entitled Boston, in which you can see the couple being taken out of the car into the emergency room and Charles straining to speak with ambulance workers. Oh so this is like God. this is like part of like one of those like yeah. uh, like, uh, like procedural cops, but with yeah. EMTs. Exactly, exactly. So Carol ended up passing away from her injuries around 3 a.m. <gasps> on October 24th and Charles spent 6 weeks in the hospital but did recover. Carol's oh. funeral took place four days later at St. James Church in her hometown of Medford, Massachusetts. 
Shortly before her death, this is the most, like, absolutely heartbreaking part. Doctors delivered her baby by C-section two months premature. No. Baptized in the intensive care unit, the child was given the name Christopher, according to Charles and Carol's prior wishes. Christopher had suffered severe trauma and oxygen deprivation during the shooting and died 17 days later. Wait, 17 days after he was born? Yeah. After he was, was, like, forcefully had a C-section. And Charles is also in the hospital during this, like, can't even be with his kid? Yeah, six weeks he oh was in the hospital. And That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's the lineup is, oh yeah. my God. So both deaths were actually ruled as homicides. And a private funeral service was held for Christopher on November 20th, 1989. Both Carol and Christopher are buried under Carol's maiden name. Which we'll find out why. Okay. Boston police no. searched for a suspect based on Charles's description and found a young man named William Willie Bennett who Charles identified as the attacker in the lineup on December 28th. The case didn't last long, though, because on January 3rd, Charles's brother Matthew identified Charles as the killer. I was afraid of this. Yes. He confessed that he had driven to meet Charles that night to help him commit insurance fraud. Upon arrival, Matthew said that he had seen Carol had been shot and that his brother had shot himself to make it appear that there was a carjacking. Matthew took the gun and the bag of valuables, including the couple's wedding rings, and threw them off the Pines River Bridge in Revere, which is another neighborhood in in Boston. Mm. Um, Some of the items, including the gun, were later recovered. So just hours after Matthew's confession, on January 4th, Charles met with his lawyer. Shortly afterward, Charles' car was uh, found abandoned on the Tobin Bridge in Chelsea. A note was found in the car stating that he was quote-unquote beaten by the quote-unquote new accusations and was quote sapped of his strength end quote oh fuck off you man baby charles then apparently jumped to his death off the bridge his body was found in the mystic river the next day not the charles river though not the charles river there's more to this story, like the motives behind the murder. Um, invo- um, there's involvement or knowledge of the crimes from family members beforehand. <gasps> how the false attack heightened racial tensions in Boston in the early '90s. That could be its whole oh. own episode. Like that's why I, there was so much about this case that was really, really interesting. That it really could be its own episode. So maybe once everyone's <sighs> forgotten about this episode, we'll do it later down the line. Uh, yeah. But it was really interesting. So there's that's, that story. Wow. And then there's the other story of the murder of Tiffany Moore. So Darlene Tiffany Moore was a 12-year-old girl from Boston who at 9.05 p.m. on Friday, August 19, 1988, was unintentionally struck and killed by two stray bullets fired by feuding drug dealers as she was sitting on a neighborhood mailbox. No. She's just a 12-year-old girl sitting on yeah, a mailbox outside her house. Yeah. Oh, Moore was God. actually visiting her family in Boston because her no. mother, yeah, her mother Alice was concerned about the rising crime rate in the neighborhood and sent her to live with family in South Carolina. So this her was obviously, mother. yeah, this was obviously like a known troubled area. And her mother was like, I can't raise my my child in this. She had a son, too, that she had also sent away to live with other family members. So she sent her daughter to South Carolina to go to, like, a better school, better neighborhood, be safer with other family members. She comes home to visit, and this happens. Absolutely terrible. Oh, my God. Her poor mother. Yeah. So Moore became an example of Boston's epidemic of gang violence at the time. In Roxbury, one of Boston's more economically depressed neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. citizens were outraged by the incident. 
Then Roxbury City Council sure. member Bruce C. Bowling said, quote, the future of Roxbury was represented in her. That's why people were so upset and angry. They thought that could have been my daughter, my son, my husband, my wife, anybody who goes about his daily business, end quote. Sean Drumgold was convicted of Moore's death on October 13, 1989. In November 2003, Drumgold's conviction was overturned. There's more information about this case again. Like, the, it, this could be its whole own episode. Mm-hmm. But these two cases were kind of the basis for the song Wild Side. Um, a little bit about the song itself. Wild Side is the second single off the 1991 album Music for the People and heavily samples Lou Reed's 1972 song Walk on the Wild Side. Oh, okay. That's the song you probably know. Yeah. Yeah, I know that song. Yeah. So the song was a major hit and reached the top 10 in the Billboard Hot 100 chart, becoming an anthem of the hip hop and dance scene uh, of the early 90s. Boston pioneer rapper MC Spice uh, co-wrote, co-produced the song, which describes the effects of Americans' greed, violence, and drug addiction on innocent, unsuspecting people. The third verse basically tells the entire story of Carol Stewart, and the fourth verse is about Tiffany. So the first verse is actually about a high school cheerleader named Annie who's taken on a date by a man named Billy who introduces her to drugs and she dies. The second verse describes a man named Ron who found some way to make some quick money and then was robbed and shot in an alley. I couldn't find anything about these two stories being specifically based on any real crime, but it seems like it would be because the there's like the other two verses are based on real crime. So Yeah, you would think like I don't know, I searched it, I couldn't find anything. If anybody huh. else knows, let me know. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. But that's, I this that song gives me, and I just had to look it up. It reminds me of that. <laughs> this is another one that you're probably not going to know, and that's okay. That ludicrous song, Runaway Love. I might know it if I heard it. But... You would probably definitely know it if you heard it, but it was like a, a similar deal. Like Mary J. Blige sings on this. Okay. Like it's a whole thing. But each verse was a different like child whose life is just brutally broken and she wants to run away and never come back mm. um and but it's that same sort of like anthology yeah, song yeah, yeah. i guess i'll call it like that's the yeah. first thing it made me think of and like holy shit this is first of all why why are why are marky mark and the funky bunch the ones calling delivering this message I don't know. Uh, yes i don't know that i'm well we i'm got not some, sure how i feel about that yeah we got some interesting artists coming up so maybe you'll say the same thing about um the next couple uh, my it. next one is about um the song is titled georgia lee and it's by tom waits oh fuck tom waits and fuck georgia lee i know both of these you do okay good yes michael michael does a very beautiful rendition of this song i will say lovely Um, but fuck tom waits why is he bad no tom waits has never done anything wrong no he's never done anything wrong but i associate tom waits with a show i had to do in college that i will tell you off mike and it was just a nightmare period okay Good. of my life i'm actually a little afraid to even have said that much about it but there was there there was tom waits involved and i any, like any, tom like, waits was ruined for me forever i 
fucking hate Tom Waits. Go on, tell I've, me more about this song I've that Michael ex- sings very well. I've only experienced high school theater, but I'm sure college theater, and you know what, even probably like Broadway and beyond and everything, has its own experiential drama that you will never experience anywhere else. That all emotions are heightened when you're in a show. It's just a lot. So, yeah. This song, Georgia Lee by Tom Waits, is is about or inspired by the murder of Georgia Lee Moses. So on August 22nd, 1997, around 2 p.m., a Caltrans worker fixing a broken guardrail off Highway 101 in Petaluma, California. I know all of these. Yeah. I know Caltrans. I know Petaluma. I know 101. This is going to be sad. Found the decomposing nude body of a young African-American girl just off the road who had been either strangled or smothered to death. Oh, fuck. That's not something. And I know and I know this song and that the the chorus. Have you listened to this song? Do you know this song? Yeah, I I listened to all these when I was uh, when I was doing the episode. Because like now the chorus is like hurting well yeah we're gonna get more into it so (laughs) after the discovery of the body and with no leads as to who she was an anonymous tip was submitted stating that she could possibly be 12 year old georgia lee moses who was last seen in october on august 13th uh the deceased woman had braids that matched georgia's but the body was only positively identified through dental records oh my god one of georgia's friends was the last person to see her alive The friend stated that Georgia hung out with her the night of August 13th and had received a message on her pager and called the number back. Sometime after, the friend walked Georgia to a nearby gas station where Georgia left with a man she didn't recognize around 10 p.m. The friend said Georgia later called to tell her that she would not be back for the night. And that was the last contact that Georgia made to anybody. Oh, my God. The first, the friend stated that the man Georgia left with was between 6'2 and 6'4, around 200 pounds, between 25 and 30 years old, very short black hair. Um, they had left in a small uh, four-door, white four-door car. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, the case remains unsolved to this day. Fuck. Yeah. Georgia's younger sister, Angel Turner... Uh, who was seven at the time of her older sister's murder, has never stopped looking for answers. She runs a website and a podcast called They Called Her Georgia Lee. Um, So you can get a ton of information from this website. And um, I haven't listened to the podcast, but she goes, she is just raising awareness and um, trying to find out what happened to her sister. This seems like one of those crimes that like you should be able to figure it out. There was like Tom Waits help her out. Yeah. I mean, there was the friend gave a lot of really good information, like the describing the car, describing the guy that she left with. Like, uh, like if there was like a phone call made, like, I don't know why you couldn't go back. I mean, you can't do it now, but why couldn't you go back on phone records? What about that pager? How could you figure out? Like, I don't know. It just seems like, there must have been a ball dropped somewhere and right. it wasn't looked into correctly. Um, Clearly. Well, and it, you are going to get into lyrics. Well, I'm going to talk about the song. Yeah. Okay, so okay. Uh, Tom Waits, who's actually a Pendaluma native, spoke to mm-hmm. L.A. Weekly in 1999 about how George's story affected him. He mm-hmm. described stopping by a roadside shrine that had been set up for her. Quote, Not to make it a racial matter, but it was one of those things where, you know, she's a black kid. And when it comes to missing children and unsolved crimes, a lot of it has to do with timing or publicity. And there was this whole Polly Kloss Foundation up there 
while Georgia Lee didn't get any real attention and I wanted yeah. to write a song about it. At one point I was going to put uh, I wasn't going to put it on the record. There were too many songs, but my daughter said, gee, that would be really sad. She gets killed and not remembered and somebody writes a song about it and then doesn't put it on the record. I didn't <gasps> want to be a part of that, end quote. Hell yeah, So his, his daughter was the one that, that it was like, all right, well, you wrote the song. You wanted her to get recognition. And put it admittedly, on it is a beautiful song. Yeah. and But uh, you ju- I, quote, I didn't know that that was what this was about yeah like i it's the way it's written like and in that quote he talks about the polyclass foundation which we have talked about yeah um so this song has a significant impact on the fight against child exploitation and abuse weights donated the royalties from georgia lee to the international center for missing exploited children which again we've talked about it's an organization that works to protect children around the world in an interview with NPR, Waits said, quote, it made sense that the song belonged to someone who could use it to help other children. It felt like it wasn't mine anymore. It belonged to her and it belonged to the people that were there trying to do good in the world, end quote. Haley, you can't make me like Tom Waits. I have I held this anti-torch for him for so long. You can't do this. And if you want even more excuse to like it, the song was actually covered by Phoebe Bridgers in 2019. I know. Off the mm-hmm. tribute record, Come come On Up to the House, Women Sing Waits. So I it's do. a bunch of women that yes. sing Tom Waits songs, which is great. Yes. I And I love Phoebe Bridgers. I have mm-hmm. seen her in concert. We have mm-hmm. her titties up on our wall. Love it. Um, that was one of the merch things that we got once. Was It was a poster of her, and she's just like in her underwear. Um, but big fan of Phoebe Bridgers. I have heard this cover. Because, yeah. But I will say Michael did it first. Michael's okay. been... Michael's been playing and singing Cutting this song edge. for for years hell you've you probably at some point heard it while like they were on with elliot like on probably Discord yeah something. like truly that's how often they i but i had no idea this is wild yeah. to me yeah fuck it's a very interesting story tom waits man the next one is going to be by an artist you'll recognize i mean the i recognize is... tom waits just not for the I best know. reason oh and i do want to say the chorus real quick because yeah, it does, if you want to, it if you want to pull out apart. the lyrics, it rips you apart. And it's it's in my head because, like, that's just you know, it's the chorus. Um, why wasn't God watching? Why wasn't God listening? Why wasn't God there for Georgia Lee? Yeah, and it is. It, it it's a sad song. I know it's a sad, mournful song, but again, the way he writes but it, it does you, you don't yeah, know that it's once you know the about story. this. Yes. You don't you don't even know that I didn't even realize she was like dead the way that it was like she was found on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was and now Fuck. Yeah. Don't make me like Tom Waits. Let's move on. Who do I who do I know now? Uh it's Jenny was a friend of mine by the killers. Oh everyone like knows them. Mr. Brightside. Yes, um, among other things. So this song there's a bit more lore to this song but um as far as the crime goes i'm not going to get too detailed into this case because this really does need to be an episode on its own into it so i'm going to talk about some of the main points here but you can expect a full episode on this in the future i don't know when in the future but we will be talking about it because this is a huge case i think i think i have a book in my bookcase about this case (laughs) um oh yeah so on the evening of August 26, 1986, 18-year-old Jennifer Levin and her friend, 19-year-old Robert Chambers, left an Upper East Side bar called Dorian's Red Hand and headed into nice. Central Park. 
Chambers said of the night, quote, we went out dancing. We were laughing the whole time. We also had a lot of inside jokes. There was a dog food called snossages that became our word for cool. It doesn't I make, love snossages. It That's doesn't a make, fun thing to say. Sorry, it doesn't make any sense unless you were there and a silly teenager. I just remember her laughing and being quick-witted. I always think of that night. It's burned into my memory, end quote. Uh, which I think all of us can relate to. Like if you yeah. went through like the lore of like people who've been friends for a very long time to like their vocabulary uh, it wouldn't make sense to anybody else just went through this at my high school best friend's wedding back in september yeah where i think i told you and i might have even had to say this on mic uh i had i literally at like two o'clock in the morning had to explain via text message to my friend for her to relay to her boyfriend the origin of a nickname that i had yeah because i'm sure did not so believe many it. layers deep it is so yeah. many layers deep. And yeah. I lived up to the name that weekend. Hi, Kelly and Brian. I'm sorry. I love you. Um, but yeah. So, oh, it's not as fun. The next morning, cyclists in the park found Jennifer's partially unclothed body <gasps> in the bushes just behind the Metropolitan Museum of Art, like in the park behind the Met. Um, the case <sighs> was a New York City media sensation with the handsome chambers being dubbed the preppy killer. Yeah, and tabloids. Okay, yeah. I have heard of this. So tabloids uh, were running with the story that the killing was in self-defense during rough sex that got out of hand. When it became clear that a jury would be deadlocked on the charge of murder, prosecutor Linda Fairstein and Chambers' attorney agreed to a plea deal of five to fifteen years in prison for manslaughter. Like I said, there's so much more, uh, especially about the media response to this case. It gets intense but i'm gonna save it you so. don't need to save it did we talk about it i talked about this on episode 169 because i was like no i know this case i asked and i texted you about this case no you texted me about uh whatchamacallit's case no i texted you about this one too you should have said the preppy killer because that's the title of the episode no Hale, i'm gonna I... screenshot our conversation to I guess... show you all right that's fair i guess did we so we did talk about this we case. did talk about this 100 episode 169 perfect okay so we're not nice. doing an episode on it we Scratch did that, an episode guys. on it we did it that was a quiz and if anybody wasn't screaming at their AirPods, earbuds what have you like you've already talked about this then maybe better luck next time kids i don't know cool but if you're in our discord message us on any of our Shame social us. media for access to our <laughs> discord uh i will be sending a screenshot of asking caitlin did we talk about this case and she will say confidently no i hope she forgets <laughs> yeah well i don't know if we talked Nobody about the song her go back in your go back in your notes and see if we talked about the song but we definitely so must this have. so the band's debut album, Hot Fuss, was originally going to include a trio of songs about the Jennifer Levin murder referred to as the Murder Trilogy by the band. The first song is called Leave the Bourbon on the Shelf, and Brandon Flowers said that it is about, quote, a couple breaking up and the boy care, and all the boy cares about is keeping the whiskey that they bought, end quote. The second song, titled Midnight Show, describes the narrator taking a girl named Jenny to a midnight show in his car mm -hmm. before the scene changes to a seafront at night and the lyrics allude to Jenny's death. Uh, the lyric quote i took my baby's breath beneath the chandelier of stars in the atmosphere and watching mm -hmm. and watched her disappear end quote uh the final song of the trio is this jenny was a friend of mine and the lyrics describe the narrator in a police interview for the death of jenny although mm -hmm. the murder trilogy didn't appear as 
as the group, all of the songs are available separately. Um, Jenny, as it was simply known, appeared on a free NME CD called Rock and Rock and Roll Riot Volume One, and that was in November 2003, which is almost a year before Hot Fuss came out. Mm-hmm. It also appears as the first track on the debut album. Midnight Show is the second to last song on the album, and Leave the Bourbon on the Shelf eventually surfaced on a compilation album of B-sides called Sawdust in November 2007. Flowers said, quote, that's a song we kind of promised in the past. It kind of goes together with the two songs from the first album, and it tells a little story, end quote. Mm. The idea of the murder trilogy stayed with the band even after the release of Hot Fuss. In an interview in the summer of 2005, just as the big uh, just as the campaign campaign for Hot Fuss was winding up and the band was thinking about their second album, Brandon Flowers and Ronnie Venucci, I think is how you say his name, Jr., announced um, an ambitious plan. Flowers said, quote, we would like to make a 25-minute short movie, long video, whatever, uh, yeah. however you want to look at it, and release it on DVD, question mark, at cool. Sundance, question mark, at Cannes, question Hell mark. Hell yeah! Uh, the pair claimed that they were looking at directors and potential actors. Subsequent conversations floated the idea of either Paris Hilton, Misha Barton, or Kelly Osborne as Jenny, and anyone from Anton Gorbchen? I don't know who that is, uh, to David Lynch, Lynch. pitched its director. David Lynch. Yeah, That'd right? Be interesting. That's ambitious. Uh, quote, whenever I see it in my head, I see James Spader killing this girl, end quote. Hell uh, yeah. Flowers he got said, that vibe. but the band was open to any older actor, even adding Sir Anthony Hopkins to their wish list. Uh, Ronnie insisted, quote, we don't want it to be like a kid movie, end quote. Lake Mead in Nevada was given as a potential location. Um, The filming idea didn't really come to anything. 2005 saw the killers becoming hugely famous across the globe, and the pressure was on uh, to record uh, the album that would become Samstown. A film of three old songs was just not a priority. Um, But according to setlist.fm, which is a great place to check uh, band setlists if uh, you want to keep track of... Um, shows that you've been to setlist.fm according to that website the killers have only performed the murder trilogy in concert in the correct order twice once in athens georgia in october 2007 and again in sydney australia a month later i so i don't think we've talked about it in this much depth Mm mm-hmm I do think we've talked about jenny was a friend of mine i do think we've talked about the killers yeah i know we've talked about the preppy killer okay I thought we had, and that's why I texted you and you said no. To be fair, I went into our episode list, Mm -hmm. and we did not have her name on the episode list. Maybe this is a teachable moment for 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 us. But what did we? What did we? What did the episode? What was the episode titled? The Preppy Killer. The Preppy Killer. Yeah. No, that's that's, fine. I should have known that. So. But but that's what I'm saying. Maybe we need this is a teachable moment that we're working through on the podcast right now. This is couples therapy now. Yeah. Um we'll maybe we can like set up some kind of a system where we like tag certain key names and like yeah. once we get over three hundred episodes, it's just you know, a crapshoot. We're gonna do an episode twice one day and no one's gonna notice. We're not. We're <clears throat> not. I wish you would stop saying this because you're gonna it's manifest gonna one that day. shit. I know I don't claim this. <sighs> yeah. Who who's next? I don't know. I'm I'm moving on. <laughs> uh, this is my last one. 
Oh. Uh, and it's a song called That Night by the band Atmosphere. Okay. And I'm not familiar with either. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a hip hop song. Hmm. Yeah. Like real hip hop or Marky Mark hip hop? Like real. Um, so on the night of July 16th, 2003, 16 year old Marissa Matthew Zalfier and her friends, um, went to see a, I was right. Hip hop duo called atmosphere at the sunshine theater in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They had by all accounts, an incredible night. They arrived in a limo. They danced in bare feet and sang at the top of their lungs. Marissa was even wearing an outfit that she created. She had intentions of becoming a fashion designer. Um, so getting dressed up in like an outfit that she made, like amazing. Um, from here, I have kind of two versions of events that I had found um, on different reports. So maybe they go together um, to, like, create the full story of what happened. Um, mm-hmm. But this is what transpired according to the Marissa Mission website, which I'll talk about um, towards the end of this. So at okay. some point in the night, Marissa had stepped on a piece of glass in a mosh pit and left her friends in search of first oh! aid. Yeah. Um, her friend said that she headed towards the bathrooms to clean her foot an employee of the theater claiming to be a security guard took her upstairs offering her help and that is where she was raped and murdered by this man who (gasps) was a convicted sex offender on probation yeah this is why we need background checks so in other versions of events this man is the venue's janitor and he told marissa that he could take her to meet the rapper slug whose real name is Sean Daly. Um, he then lured her backstage okay. and raped and murdered her there. No. So that's like a separate version of events. I don't think that that one's as true because I believe... Oh, okay. I believe her body was found upstairs on like a second oh, level. shit. So the murderer, 22-year-old Dominic Ackers, was on probation at the time after molesting a four-year-old the year before. <gasps> yeah. Should no. maybe be... Uh, away from society for a little bit longer after something like that that's not something well, that just and also happens. not working in certain conditions where if he's a security guard at a concert venue there are inevitably going to be underage or, people there or impaired people from drinking and or stuff. impaired yeah. people yeah. All, yes also that yeah and so you know i'm not saying that convicted felons should not be able to get a job they no, yeah time. we've mentioned this they, before yeah, like we've talked about this before but this is this is an example of okay this guy should not have been in that situation around yeah. this girl yes there should have been no moment in which they meet yeah and how did nobody like he could you you mean to tell me he can't like get a job i don't know with like adults in it or something yeah. like that like so he said that he murdered marissa after she re- resisted his sexual advances because she was at a concert with her friends, maybe. And again, she's got glass in her foot. Yeah. You know what I think? When I get stabbed with a piece of glass, I don't I want a bone really right it. after that. Yeah, I was about <laughs> to say. Mm-hmm. So after her death, Marissa's friends, family, and the local community petitioned to get two important bills passed in New Mexico. Marissa's Sunshine Law, which required that sex offenders on probation must notify their employers, which I can't believe would not be should a, be a, a thing already um, why 
And also Marissa's Law, which reformed laws dealing with sex offenders, including mandatory minimum prison and parole sentences, as well as increased treatment. They also teamed up with Girls Film School to produce an educational documentary about her story titled Educating Marissa. Unfortunately, in the fall of 2003, Marissa had planned to participate in a 20-hour women's self-defense class. Her friends went to take the class, and a Marissa scholarship fund was created to assure that all young women in Santa Fe had access to the course and to the skills and tools that could have saved Marissa's life. And everybody should have access to this. It should be, like... They should teach self... Why aren't they teaching self-defense in gym classes, That's actually? what I was literally just going to say. Like, <gasps> my gym class... I love it when we're in My sync. gym class had, like, a rotating health-type thing. Yeah, so did we. Yeah, yeah, we had, like, first aid, sex ed, driver's ed oh. for some reason, and then family oh. living. I think we've talked about this before. Half of no, those were useless. No, that's not the rotation that we had. I thought she meant we had rotating things. Like, for six weeks, we did volleyball. For no, six no, we weeks, did that, we too. Tennis. We did that, too. But then once you were in the health one, freshman year was uh, first aid... Sophomore year was sex, uh, no, was driver's ed. Junior okay. year was sex ed. Senior year was family Damn. living. I should have gone to public school. It was dumb. We had, it did we had one semester of health and it was at a Catholic school. So you can imagine yeah. everything that I learned. Yeah, but they, sh- I mean, it should be like a gym rotation instead of me taking yes. walking seven times in a row. Yeah, it that's what I was going to say. Been, like, like a mandatory I self-defense class. Listen, listen. I'm just saying my high school gym teacher wouldn't have nearly become the next Lance Armstrong because I don't know how to work a tennis racket had we learned yeah. self-defense. Yeah. And it's something that he could have done himself. It's an example of self-defense. Yes. So also prior to her death, Marissa had participated in a two-week after-school pro- program called SEEDS, which is self-esteem, empowerment, and education through dance. She Cute. fell in love with it and planned to continue to do it in the fall. Seeds provided a safe and healthy environment for these young women to gather in, to cry, to share, to support one another, and to learn to channel those emotions into healthy activities such as journal writing and belly dance, which sounds fun. Yes, I've always wanted to learn. Right? The SEEDS program also offered uh, life skills and information such as financial independence, sexual education, women's health, and goal setting in helps of fostering strong and capable young women. Sounds amazing. I We need so many more of those. Yeah. We can never have enough. So the Marissa Mission was set up with these same principles. The website says, quote, the Marissa Mission fosters youths in a nourishing and playful environment, encouraging development into vibrant, confident, and healthy people through improvisational tribal style belly dance, uh, yoga practice, expressive art. Uh, community and empowering life skills we offer an uncommon opportunity to which few teens have access a supportive environment free of judgment where you can feel comfortable to be yourself and share your interests with others end quote um you can even make a donation on marissamission.org and they sound Um, like they're doing incredible works there yeah that's oh i really like that yeah i think that that's I don't know. I think it's a channeling good something horrible into mm-hmm. something that like helps so many people. I feel like is what a lot of these cases we talk about end up doing, setting up foundations yes. and stuff like that. Yes. Um, so Marissa's death heavily affected slug the, one of the singers of atmosphere. Aww. He said in an interview with SF critic quote, 
Obviously, this messed us all up, not for any other reason. It showed us how close we are with the audience and to each other, how we felt. It is a reminder that we are all in this together. It's not just really about me getting on stage and having the time of my life talking about how cool I am. It's bigger than that. After Seven's Travels came out, that was the last record I allowed to come out where I was the irresponsible character. I started writing songs that were in the direction that I wanted my life to go, as opposed to songs that were about uh, were, that were about my life, the rut, end quote. Mm. Slug dedicated the album Seven's Travels, which came out in September 2003, to Marissa in the liner notes, and later wrote about the incident and his reaction in a song entitled That Night, which appeared on the 2005 album You Can't Imagine How Much Fun We're Having. Slug would later describe the song as the one he, quote, wasn't supposed to write, end quote, and marks the 2005 album as the uh, a whole he marks his whole album as a beginning point of a more positive storytelling in his music. Oh, wow. Yeah. Slug says he saw Marissa's death as quote, my transition to try to be a more responsible artist, not just to the audience, but to myself End quote. That's amazing. The song includes powerful lyrics like quote, that night we lost a supporter that night. Somebody lost their daughter. He raped and killed her at the venue. Can't comprehend what her friends have went through. That night the sun went dark. Now watch everyone on the tour bus fall apart. That night, Lord have mercy. That night music music died. That night in Albuquerque. End quote. Damn. Um, yeah. But I think that to be affected like that, and obviously it happened at your show, um, of a fan of your show, who was there mm-hmm. to have fun and then something terrible happened to them. Um, right. I, I mean, we talked about the, um, uh, what happens when there's like a stampede in a crowd. Yes. Yes. And Astroworld. Yeah. And how he didn't really <laughs> do, shit. do shit about that. He, he did a, a brand deal with better help. Yeah. Um, um, but I was thinking of, the shooting in manchester yeah when ariana grande yep. when she took that so exactly hard yeah 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 and it was and organized a benefit concert and like all of these things that she it just affected her so much yeah because like i mean you're not responsible for that you you as the the performer are on stage doing your performance and something terrible happens out in the crowd whether it's to one person whether it's to multiple people it's not your fault but it i could see how you as the performer i've gathered these people here they are here for me i am responsible for them having a good night and then something like this happens and then having that way on you the fact that this transformed him into uh, a transition of him as an artist i think Mm -hmm. is a huge huge deal um and something that we haven't seen out of like a lot of other artists. It's true, and I mean, and it it it's beyond it's beyond them just like caring about it and like changing the music. Like think about also, she would have loved that she had such an effect on one of her artists. Yeah, that she, like she liked that. It's just I don't know. It's just it's really beautiful. Yeah, and. Yeah, that's a good note to end on. Yeah. You did you did it. But I do have a palate cleanser. <gasps> good, because I just, I was in traffic the other day, and I realized that we haven't done a palate cleanser in a while, and I feel so bad. Well, now <laughs> I'm writing them, I'm writing at the, at the bottom of my 
my outlines oh, because I don't want to forget. So this one, um, we have played her music before. This okay. is a friend, an extremely oh. talented musician, Gina Who Royale. I'm in love with currently. Uh, she is so, so good. So uh, we've played her music on the podcast before. I don't remember which episode because they appear at the end. Um, but if you've listened to the episodes, you'll know. And I mm-hmm. will put, I will link more of her music uh, from Spotify in the Discord. So you can join our Discord and I'll share it to you. But she's Gina Royale on everything. And if you like Taylor Swift and Paramore, Angry Girl music. It's true. It's true. She's the one she's, for you. Oh, she's the best. She's a bad um, bitch. Her song Low is actually featured, I think, in like the opening, like one of the first songs in the Netflix movie After Everything. No way. Yes. Netflix literally just autoplayed that like yeah. a couple nights ago. Yes, because it was like, oh, you It's towards like the this. very beginning of the song. It's called Low. It is such a good song. Uh, but she also has a new song that like just came out. It's called Save Room for Me. Um uh, but I have a couple of her songs on my like running playlist. So good. Love her to death. And She's go really listen cool. to Gina Royale. Yeah. Good for you, Gina. And you Holy know what? Shit. She's also a nice lady. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, f- I love that for her. Yeah. I love it. Oh, so that's my that's palate a good cleanser. Palate cleanser. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to be spoon fed that link, you can join our <laughs> discord mother uh, is here message us on any of our social media we're on facebook instagram twitter uh we'll get you that link to the join the discord uh we also do little spoiler alerts on there we share pictures of our pets um if you were part of our secret satan gift exchange in october we now have a whole channel for that so mm-hmm. everyone was sharing um everything that they got for uh secret satan which was so much fun yeah um yeah we also have a recommendations channel that we can like recommend movies and music and books and all that sort of fun stuff so join that uh mm-hmm. message us and we'll send you the link you yeah. can also email us crimeculturepod at gmail.com we also have a website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com you can also join our patreon i always forget to shout out our patreon but you know if you got a little extra scratch you can join that you don't have to but no. it helps us we out you're all the same yeah um the links are uh in our bios everywhere so everywhere yeah all of the crime culture do you have any closing words do i have any closing words oh i have um uh uh not a correction section actually but last episode uh we talked we posed the question is it legal to just do a ride along with anybody and we had a bunch of people Brendan, who, you bitch you never got back to me yes we we Wait had a, a bunch minute. of people <laughs> we had a bunch of people reach out to be like yeah like i have like friends or family who are or people who are related in in law enforcement and you can just do a ride-along <laughs> which i didn't think uh, was nope, chill like that. but i guess you could all right oh officer so-and-so i didn't know you were chill like that hmm I mm, I don't love I don't love that I don't love that I don't love that for me but I don't love that for me or for anybody else <laughs> no so that's uh yeah not a really correction but we did ask that question so there we go thanks for everyone for reaching out and letting us know because um we like getting more information yeah all right 
So now do you have any closing words? Um, actually, it's funny you say that because I had a, I looked up, looked forward when you said that, and I'm going to tell you what the candle on my other monitor computer background says, which is, girl, you need to calm the F down. So if that is good, something that resonates with you, okay, just take that. And if it doesn't, maybe think on that and think what maybe you could need to calm the fuck down about. Cool. Like but, that. Okay. Yeah. That's All right. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.